you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Around the NFL podcast. Long live the shield. Too soon. Welcome. <laughs> No. <laughs> to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo, another Sunday in the books. My only goal with this show is to, when they come out of the headshots that you look at if you're watching the YouTube version right, of this. ghastly headshots. To absolutely duplicate the smarmy look on my face in the, the, the photo that I, for some reason, picked as my yeah. headshot. It's a it's a tough a smarmy a hole is what I look like. It's like the <laughs> what we don't want people to think of our show is basically with the opening credits of our YouTube show say, look at these guys, these mediocre whites. Don't buy into anything they're about to say. In fact, tune out and go find something better. It pitches that well. How's everybody doing? Wes? I was doing great until you just sold my career down the yeah. river. I know. I was in a great mood. <laughs> now, these guys like, feel good about themselves. We're gonna, so that, we're didn't, gonna, that didn't work. Though. Yeah, those, you know, those uh, headshots, uh, you know, they, they, you can only make a headshot as good as what you got to work with, you know? I, did, I'm I, bl- talking I blame myself. In studio action yeah. poses. I've been pushing this internally, and it will happen one day. Um, all right. It is the Sunday of week five. So much to get to. Um, and Greg, you said it, and I think we all feel the same. You said it on Twitter. Kind of miss the lines today. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think everyone around the country has been thinking that. It's like, you know what that 10-game slate needed at 10 a.m. Pacific? A little Lions. A little (laughs) Matthew A bit of a weird week because you miss the Lions. Some strange uh, outcomes in games. You have Tony Romo and Nance doing the the winless Broncos against the Chargers. Maybe did Romo have like a golf invitational outside LA or something? No, it is not Romo's Like the Glendale invitational. And he's like, this is where we're going. He's pulling power plays in year three. This is the oddest hill for you to stand atop and to try to defend that he does not care about his job. Not enough. I mean, if you want to be a golfer, be a golfer. 
that's my stand on this. I mean, get you like an ESPN morning show with the this. <laughs> I mean, that is yeah. I want some other. Ta- I'm not the only one that should have takes so far. It's Where does it end? What if two you just fire wanted takes, to go zero for the rest of the group? What was so the far? other fire take? Uh, the mediocre white headshots. <laughs> What if he just wanted to go bowling today instead of announcing football? Would that be okay? That would be fine because it would be just a leisure activity. Listen, that we'll save that for another conversation, maybe a Tuesday show. In fact, when we next, when you next hear from us on Tuesday, we're going to be in London. We're going to be there all week ahead of Bucks uh, Panthers. We'll also be at that game at Tottenham Stadium. Uh, so we're really excited about that. So since we're heading to London, why don't we start? The week five recap with the first game of the season played in London. It was at Wembley Stadium. And yes, an upset right out of the gate. Let's get to it. This will be a second down and 10 for the Bears from the Raiders' 46-yard line. Here's Chase back into the gun. He's hit on a release up in the air. Intercepted. Picked up by Conley. Conley's got it. And he'll go down inbounds. Keep the clock running. The Bears will have to use a timeout. The second interception of the game. Brent Musburger with the call, KCBS. Chase Daniel, listen to this music, by the way. I got another hot take. <laughs> Shadowy league figures in this building, no backbone at all. Oh! Decide to strip us of our glorious primetime music with this generic slop. You got me with that hot take. I mean, listen to this. <laughs> Turn it up, Nabil. Are you kidding me? What a travesty. Anyway, Chase Daniel, what'd you do? The Bears' backup QB airmailed a pass with Chicago nearing field goal range. Uh, the interception, a dagger for the Raiders. A stunning 24-21 win on Sunday night at Wembley. Uh, how about that? A great game in England. Cheers. Anyway, <laughs> Daniel blew it, but not before the Bears' D blew it. First on Oakland's final drive, Mark Sessler. Yeah, I mean, if you told me coming out of this matchup and what I would have thought of it going in and what I watched from the Bears, not only last week, but going back to last season, that one of these defenses would have come out of this game with no sacks and no picks, and it would have been the Bears and not the Raiders, Mm. where it was the Raiders defense that hassled Chase Daniel. I get that he's a backup, but he's also, you can't say that and also pitch this line, oh, he knows Matt Nagy's offense. He's intimately familiar with this playbook, and he's a veteran, and he does good things here and there. When you get the game he had, which was two killer picks, and I thought the issue here was was Oakland, Josh Jacobs on the ground, and Derek so Carr good. doing just, Josh Jacobs is the real thing. 4.7 yards per carry, 123 on the ground, did stuff through the air, and you got to remember that Derek Carr is working with guys like Foster Moreau and Trevor Davis, and they, to me, looked like the offense that had a little bit more going. They weren't perfect, but I'm a little worried about the Bears' offense as I have been all season long because, to me, in a game like this, they felt formless, and they need their defense to pile up turnovers and probably points to get out of this season with anything more than a wild card entry at best. 17 nothing lead uh, for the Raiders at the half. Chicago scores 21 straight to take the lead. Uh, and what follows is, and Greg, it was the biggest shock of the game. Once they get in the lead, I think everyone kind of thinks, oh, it's over. 13 plays, 97 yards uh, in two minutes of clock time. That's an unbelievable letdown by Chicago. It's, un- it's an unbelievable drive. A 13-play drive that you go 97 yards on the Bears' defense to win the game in London. One drive after, they actually had the ball inside the Bears' five-yard line and fumbled it 
early in the fourth quarter. They're down three at that point. You figure there's no way they're winning that game at that point, but their defense got the ball back. They were the better team throughout the day. Yeah, the Bears defense made a couple plays. You mentioned the, the, the Bears offense is going to need that. I mean, that's the only reason the Bears were even in this game is that two of their drive touchdown drives were 16 yards or less because they had such good field position because their defense set them up. The Raiders gained 398 yards on this game. The Bears had 236. Like, I, I, you got to give John Gruden some credit. I'm just shocked because uh, when you wa- when I watch this team against the Colts and win, I thought I thought even stronger that they're not going to be competitive in this game. Let's I hear, just think they're so lucky. Let's hear from John Gruden, who, as you know, by the way, this was supposed to be the game where the Bears rub it in Gruden's face. The Khalil Mack, where's Khalil Mack in this game when they when they need a big play? Uh, Gruden feeling good talking to the players after the game. I don't have a disco in here. I don't have a disco. Well, let's all start dancing. Yeah. <laughs> say this, man. I'm 56 years old. That's the most fun I've ever had tonight, man. I'm so proud of you. You have no idea. I mean, we've been through a roller coaster already, but what you proved today is one thing. You can beat anybody, anywhere, on any time zone. You got to well, I'm, I think one of the biggest surprises in the NFL is the Raiders' offensive line. I spent the offseason thinking they were going to be terrible, and they have been one of the best and maybe the best unit on this team. And just from the comments I was seeing on Twitter, it sounded like they imposed their will on the Bears and even bullied them a little bit. They, they did. They played a great game. And, and, you know, the defense made a play or two. Tariq Cohen doesn't have a massive punt return. I don't think the Raiders are even in this game. And that reminds me a little bit of the formula last year where they needed something big to happen on special teams combined with defensive chaos. And when you don't get it, you get this game. But I, it, I don't come out of this just looking at Chicago's mistakes. The Raiders deserve some credit for going into, I think anyone winning a London game, that's extra level because it's, you don't know how to manage that week. It's not, you're not doing the same thing. And we know the Raiders typically are a, a, a house on fire in all the wrong ways when they travel east, but they traveled farther east this time and took care of Chicago. I, I thought this would have been like 31 to 7 Bears. And, and back to John Gruden. I mean, this is, this is another popular offseason punching bag. Through five games... And now they head into their bye. Three and two with signature wins in here. A great division win to open the season. Uh, The win last week in Indy, which was an excellent win. And now, of course, beating a Bears team that a lot of people see see as an NFC favorite. No one expected this. No, we were talking two weeks ago. Is Derek Carr going to you know, be back with this team? The thing is, Carr helps that offensive line look better in pass protection because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. And they're a good run blocking team. And Trent Brown has been worth the money. They have the best center, one of them, in Rodney Hudson, who they Mike Mayock made sure to pay before this year. The the league is a little more fun with the Frisky Raiders team. And frankly, the Bears hadn't played that well enough in the first five weeks to be a four and one team. They they seem like a three and two team. That feels right. Well, I would say I might have been a little, I might be a little hard on Carr to say, to keep saying I'm not sure if he's on this team next year, but he's not the reason they won this game either. Derek Carr was fine. He was super well protected from wire to wire. He's been very steady boring Derek sure. Carr. One question on the film. It looked like we saw a pretty gruesome Akeem Hicks elbow injury, one of the best players on the Bears team. Did you get the sense this could be a season ender? I mean, it. Lo- I agree with you. I need to see what the test show, but it was Doctor, one of the worst. We want a diagnosis. Yeah, you know, I, it, I, it's I, not good when it's I, dangling I, on the side no, of the I, body. I, I, dialed up, I dialed up Dr. Chow in between uh, the space from <laughs> Packers Cowboys to the start of the show. And he's Don't not tell picking, Evan Silva. He's not picking up my calls. He's Chow's got, very busy talking to Silva's him. got Chow on the speed dial. They talk twice a day, according to payroll. So. <laughs> Little inside joke there. All right, let us move on. From the shotgun, snap Rogers, second down. Get Jones up the middle, big hole. 
through. Billy Turner and Brian Balaga, the two key blocks. Aaron Jones ran right between them. Love it. Wayne Larravee and Larry McCarron of the Packers Radio Ooh. Network. Let's talk about going to a disco. Here we go. It's kind of slaps. Here we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Aaron Rodgers is unbeatable at AT&T Stadium, but it helps to have friends. Aaron Jones scored four touchdowns, and Mike Pettin's defense uh, forced Dak Prescott into three interceptions. In the end, it was a 34-24 win for the Packers. Rodgers is now 5-0 since Gerald World opened in 2009, and the Packers are 4-1 and all alone in first place in the NFC North. Uh, I know the Packers. And we all had an eye on this one because uh, there was only two late games. Uh, the Packers surprised this whole room because we all felt pretty good about um, Dallas's chance in this game. But from the jump, Green Bay was in control. I'm impressed that Aaron Rodgers is just playing like he did three years ago. And I think maybe that should have been a bigger takeaway from the Eagles game that just, hey, Aaron Rodgers is balling again. I know the the final numbers don't look crazy impressive, 238, but some of the passes that he made in the first half were those classic Aaron Rodgers throws where he's making Robert Tanyan look good and he's doing it without Devontae Adams. I'm not saying Tanyan didn't make a beautiful catch. I like Tanyan right now, but when Rodgers is making those beautiful plays, he makes you believe anything's possible. He said after the game it was his best game of the year. And he doesn't care about stats anymore. All he wants to do is win. He doesn't care how anybody thinks. He knew this was his best game. Well, I know and there was there was jawing and a, well, forget it, more like discussion between Aaron Rodgers and Matt the Flower, head coach, during the game. And we we brought it up a few times. So they would keep cutting away to that. And it looked like there was a little bit of tension here and there. I think if we're allowed all these other teams to figure out who they are, this is Aaron Rodgers in a new offense for the first time in a zillion years. And if you take away a red zone collapse against the Eagles, the narrative around this team over the last two weeks and what they produced is a little bit different. What bothered me a little bit, they got up real big early, and then they were struggling to kind of hang on to this lead, but they're on the road. It this was stuff a little happens. clunky, the closeout, but ultimately it didn't really hurt them, and that's why they had a... a it just made the game four and a half hours yes, long. It had, but yeah. it had several um, possessions that were fruitless, that featured some big losses, and then they would cut straight back to LaFleur and Rodgers looking mildly annoyed about it's it. It's really so the body language yeah. that is fascinating right. about the two of them. It, it's always it, something to keep an eye on. It just feels like LaFleur is you know, trying to impress him or trying to convince him of a point that Rodgers is not agreeing with. And so it's just kind of fun. It's like it's little fun. brother trying to convince big brother he's cool. <laughs> Except well, one of them's the head coach. Yeah. I don't think we can expect much more out of them in the second half when Devontae Adams isn't playing. Right. Jamal Williams isn't there. And Aaron Jones had another great game. It makes you, in between that, that Eagles game where they wouldn't give him the ball on the goal line, it makes you even question that more. He has four TDs today, and he looked like a goal line monster before this. 182 yards from scrimmage. I mean, he stepped up in a game that they needed a playmaker, and he made plays on his own. He made Leighton Vander Esch look bad a couple times, and you do not see that too often. He averaged 5.6 yards per uh, carry in this game, and he had a 10-yard loss on a run late in the fourth quarter. Um, Dak Prescott had a very strange game. Uh, because he threw three interceptions. Some of them were really bad interceptions. I mean, passes that left you scratching in your head. You saw Jared Jones uh, up in the box after, I believe, the third pick, uh, showing a lot of anger and frustration. Uh, but he also threw for 463 yards and had some gorgeous dime shots in the game. So it was an odd Prescott performance. <laughs> 
that Jason Garrett slammed that flag down in front of the ref and got a 15-yard penalty. And after the game, Jerry Jones was asked about the um, referee and, and Jason Garrett's abusive language. His quote was, oh, I hope the little darling didn't hear something he hadn't heard before. <laughs> well, I think he did. And they made it clear it was whatever came out of Garrett's mouth. Zadarius Smith in this, it clearly playing through, I think it was a knee injury, down on the field two or three times in this game for extended periods. What, an, what a performance. I think the Petten defensive performance gets a little bit lost because of the fireworks at the end. But Petten has been absolutely great for this. He, he finally has a quarterback on offense, which he never had with the Jets or Browns, a bunch of absolute non-starters at the position forever. And Zadarius Smith, and he's got certain guys on defense that are absolutely tearing it up. They had a few injuries today, though. They had the, the Cowboys also lost Lyle Collins, and so they didn't have Tyron Smith starting. So they're, they have two tackles, including Cam Fleming, who really shouldn't be starters in the NFL. That's an, something to keep an eye on, especially Collins, who's maybe been the best right tackle in the league. Dallas outgained Green Bay 563 to 335. So don't always um, judge a game just by the stats, but it doesn't. But it was the, even in total yardage at the half, and it was 17. Climb into this. The Cowboys moved the ball. It, 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 that wasn't the problem. They just kept on shooting themselves in the foot. Amari Cooper, 11 for 226 and a touchdown. One of those was a, kind of a garbage t- time touchdown. Uh, but that wasn't the problem. It was a strange game. And I'm trying to figure out now, Wes, because I know you were big on Cowboys corner a couple weeks ago after that narrow loss last Sunday night against New Orleans. And then this pretty much stinker performance at home against the, an undermanned Packers team. Where, where do you stand on them right now, the Cowboys? I'm confused. I'll need to watch this game. I was covering the Broncos-Chargers game, so I don't know exactly what happened. But I did notice that a lot of people were jumping on Kellen Moore in the first half and using the word genius in quotation marks oh, no. to take shots. Already? This was this was a, a, anything that can go wrong went wrong type of game. I know we have the cornered animal game. Is that is that too long of a name? It, it was like Amari Cooper dropped. But no, there's an easy term for this: the Murphy's Law game. Right, it's a Murphy's Law game. Yeah. Early in the first half, they, it's not like they looked like the inferior team. There were just a few plays, like Amari Cooper had a ball thrown slightly behind him that he dropped. And that turns into an interception. It pops right up and turns into an interception. And there was a lot of plays like that where it's not like the Cowboys look like a vastly inferior well, I think team. they're learning to be a team that doesn't channel almost directly through Ezekiel Elliott four straight quarters, which has been the case for the past three years. That's not the team they are right now in offense. All right, that's a nice NFC rivalry. Let's... My official stance on the Cowboys yes. is they're too talented to miss the playoffs. All right, and check in Tuesday from London where Wes will give you more insight on his beloved America's team. More like Westlings. He's got a lot I of teams. Beloved's a stretch. <laughs> oh, no, he's bailing. No, I'm not bailing. I enjoy watching them. Okay. I don't really, none of the teams are beloved. All right, let's check out a great <laughs> AFC rivalry, this in the north. And here comes Justin Tucker for what will be a 46-yard field goal attempt to win the game in overtime. Snap is good. Kick on the way. It is long enough, and it is good. Justin Tucker with a win. in the barn. And as if the rest of the day wasn't close enough, that kick was hooking to the left. Looked like it would sail wide left, and at the last minute, faded right back in between the uprights. And the Ravens win it today in Pittsburgh, 26 to 23. Jerry Sandusky with the call for WBAL West. You know, the more I think about that, I bet Tucker did that on purpose. He has that ability. Who are we to question the means of Justin Tucker? He said, let me get 70,000 fans that get their hopes up at Heinz Field and then have that thing hook in at the last second. Anyway, the GOAT, Justin Tucker, 
topped a 46-yarder inside the left upright in overtime, giving the Ravens that 26-23 win over the Steelers at Heinz Field. A killer loss for Pittsburgh, who fall to 1-4, and four, and Baltimore um, improves to 3-2. and two. Um, Wes, what did you learn from these two teams on Sunday? The Steelers still don't trust their offense, and that's been the case since Big Ben went down. Um, and it's really bitten them a little bit. I think two situations in this game really point out. The first one, um, more wildcat shenanigans. I feel like they've fallen too hard in love with their own creativity, the coaching staff. Jalen Samuels uh, threw an interception mm. deep in Pittsburgh's own territory. The Ravens went and converted that for an easy touchdown. Lamar Jackson threw a pair of interceptions in his own territory, and Mason Rudolph was a only able to get field goals out of those. And then the other thing was in overtime, I think it was like the 16th time since the 1960s that a coach won the coin toss and elected to put his defense on the field, and that was Mike Tomlin. Defense did great, stuffed Mark Ingram, then sacked Lamar Jackson, then held on third down, forced a punt. Second play of the Steelers' drive, Marlon Humphrey, great play to punch the ball out of Juju Smith-Schuster's hands. And, you know, the prolate spheroid bounces funny. You can't control <laughs> it. And uh, Devlin Hodges, who came on to quarterback, was too busy boxing out the defender and didn't fall on the ball. Yeah, I wouldn't quite call it a Cam Newton and Super Bowl 50 moment for uh, young Devlin, but uh, it showed maybe a lack of awareness in the moment that go get that football. Well, the ball was bouncing in one direction and then it changed directions. The Both teams ran yeah, the but other it, way. That's he, asking he seemed a lot more occupied moment. by the opponent near him than going after the ball. But you know what? It's moving very fast, the game. Let's not it's get like too on it. have never been out there. Now, Devlin Hodges is in the game because Mason Rudolph West suffers one of the scarier head injuries you'll see. Uh, you want to dig in on that a little bit? Mason Rudolph got hit by Earl Thomas on what I thought was his best play of the, of the game. Mason Rudolph's best play to avoid pressure and pick up a third down to James Washington. And then Washington was injured uh, and was lost for the game. So both of those guys got injured. Uh, Devlin Hodges came in um, and looked pretty poised. There was one play where his arm strength li limitation showed up. He was throwing off one foot on the run fairly deep down the field and just couldn't put any mustard on it. Earl Thomas picked it off and it was called back on a defensive holding, but it was a little worrisome, the lack of arm strength on the throw. Um, I thought he, he played about as well as you could expect an undrafted rookie to play. Right, He's an undrafted rookie from Samford. Who's going to be uh, called uh, next Sunday night on NBC by Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, unless Mason Flex Rudolph out of there. can return. It's too late now. I told them to too a week late. ago, uh, and they didn't do it. Let Wait, why? What is up with these self-imposed deadlines? Push the deadline. Give America make the a, game. They make they a Devlin Hodges rule. Let the record show. He immediately came in, and with the aid of one bad call and another questionable call, let a touchdown drive and took the, the go-ahead touchdown drive for the first lead of the day. Then the next drive led a field goal drive featuring his own 21-yard scramble. Right. The offense, you know, probably isn't going to get that much worse because what they had 11 or 12 drives, and they had 269 yards in the game. So neither team moved the ball at all. Despite the score being looking normal, this this sound, it looks like a game dominated by defense, kind of like you'd expect I, old Ravens-Steelers games to be. I, I come out a little concerned about, well, we're not going to find out next week because they play the Bengals, and I'm sure they can course correct for a week at least. But 
Lamar Jackson, five picks. I know they're not all on him. There was some weird ball bouncing around One business. One drop today, yeah. Three, right. three picks today and two last, two last week. week and yeah. nine sacks because it's the protection breaking down, forcing him into some weird throws and stuff that I know they beat up rough and tumble ugly teams early, but they're not a team that's also doing the thing they did late last year where they're running for 228 yards a game and, and out physically in you. They are trying to do both now, and it's not really working out. Well, a couple of things. The Steelers' defense, I think they're going to sack a lot of quarterbacks five times. Oh, yeah. um, they get after it, that defensive line. But it's the second week in a row where Lamar Jackson ran into some sacks. He likes to run around and do figure eights in the backfield because he's explosive enough to turn those into big plays. Um, but they might have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. I will say, though, that you got the sense during this entire game that the Ravens trusted their offense and they can run guys over once in a while and they can move the sticks. Whereas with the Steelers, it just feels like it's Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid. I would say now five weeks into the season, the AFC North is so much different um, than I thought it would be. Because you have the Steelers are more or less dead in the water now at one and four on their third quarterback. There's no coming back from that, most likely. Cincinnati's one of the worst teams in football. The Ravens clearly have flaws. We talked about going into this game, their issues on defense. It's hard to get a gauge on how much better the defense is when facing. And they this. lost starting safety Tony Jefferson to an ACL injury. Right. He's done for the season. That's going to really hurt them. They just seem to be a team that's that can have good weeks and very bad weeks. Leaves the door open for the Browns, Mark. I, I think of yeah. the game on Monday night. If the Browns ball out against San Francisco. The talk of the league is in, in terms of this division is that this is the Browns division. Well, I mean, it, it at the, it's so unusual because the AFC North usually puts up two or three major blockades to one of the third teams trying to get into the postseason. I think I vowed in August that three teams from the North would make the playoffs. So just another listen, not to another reminder, don't listen to a single thing that I say ever, basically. <laughs> uh, that Rudolph injury was scary. One of the scary. Oh, whenever they're taking the face mask off, and there's they were they were claiming it a big victory that he was walking. They were carrying because him off the field. When you take the face mask off, which never happens, and you're walking off under kind of under your own power, you actually see in his face that he did not know where he was. That was Fear. a well, he vicious was, hit. He was down on the ground, unconscious for a while. It, the Dolphins are at home watching that. Tucker kick go in though and they're they're celebrating they're like we got two picks in the top five right now Miami Dolphins are not celebrating or a team that may come steal the number one pick watch out watch out for my Jets by the way we'll get to them let's move (laughs) on Jets are coming out strong seven others back inside the five yard line here we go Minshew in trouble Addison chasing Addison still giving chase Minshew reverses out Minshew throws short of the goal line Keekley taps it away no flags and the Carolina Panthers (laughs) on Hall of Honor weekend survive Jacksonville to go to three and two uh, Mick Mixon, Panthers Radio Network with the call. Gardner Minshew got three shots at a desperation heave in the final seconds. Uh, each prayer unanswered. In the Panthers' 34-27 win over the Jags in Charlotte, two stars carried the day for Carolina. Christian McCaffrey, who tied a career high with 237 yards from scrimmage and three touchdowns, and Brian Burns, who returned a fumble 56 yards for a TD and a strip sack of Minshew. Uh, quite a three-week stretch for the suddenly 3-2 and two Panthers. Eh, Sizzler? Well, I don't know what you mean by eh, like as in do eh? I agree? Like yeah. eh? Okay, I agree eh, with you. Sizzler? I mean, this game, if you went in thinking here are four or five things I think I'm going to see, I think you saw all of them. And you mentioned some, that Christian McCaffrey is the most interesting, complete electric football player out there right now. Put some respect and, on his name, Rosenthal. 
Who who isn't putting all up? All up. Him, Jim Brown, and OJ Simpson have the most yards from scrimmage it's, in the first five games in NFL history. And you know it's coming because you once called him a poor man's Alvin Kamara. That was a regretable thing to say. <laughs> it's not anyone's. Poor, I, he's not I anyone's take, poor man. I take all of Carolina's, you know, hatred and tomatoes and whatever you want. That was a bad job. I think he was a Pro Bowl snub last year, if I'm not mistaken. And was then, he? Wow. It, and so at this point, he's everything you could award wise you could hand out. And he just what he does physically is it's not just compiling numbers. He's he's just magical as an athlete. And there aren't that many guys that get me excited from that angle at this point after watching a billion games. Oh. But he does what well, he's like doing things. And that, that touchdown <laughs> they just showed is another example. I think the, the Panthers defense, you can count on now to make game changing plays and amp up an offense that does have a backup quarterback in there. Burns is a rookie, defensive rookie of the year candidate if he's not the lead right out at this point. Dude has been doing this since the preseason. And you also got Gardner Minshew connecting with DJ Shark, which he's been telling you he's going to do week after week, all season long. Shark is is a star in the making. And they got that last-minute magic or would-be magic from Minshew. And they came very close to tying a game thanks to a missed extra point by the Panthers. And I... I know that this hurts if you're two and three, if you're Jacksonville, but you just get the sense that both of these teams are going to be knocking on the door and playing games in week 16, maybe even week 17 that have January implications because they both, for all their injured players and weaknesses, refuse to die. And I, we mentioned this on Sky. I don't know what you do if you're Jacksonville when Nick Foles is available because this quarterback, Worry the way about he's it playing, then. I mean, that is, that's fine, but I'm just saying as a, as a, from now is a lifetime in the NFL. It is, well, we, it is, but we talk about, we talk about a billion things that, that are down the road. And I think that they, you've just found it the best rookie quarterback of the group at the moment. I think, I believe that you have to stick with him. If he keeps playing well, you have to stick with him. And I thought it was interesting after the game, one of their beat writers, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, Carl Lyon Hayes. Um, someone asked him, is, is Gardner Minshew a franchise quarterback in your eyes? And he said, yes. I think it, the way he's played right now, if he maintains that where he's avoiding mistakes, unlike Kyle Allen, who, you know, continued to have some interceptions in this game or, or lost fumbles rather, the Panthers just need to get to Cam Newton in decent shape. They they're winning games. I don't think there's certainly not going to be any quarterback controversy, but it's pretty amazing who they played without today. I mean, they didn't have Trey Turner. He's an all pro guard. They didn't have their former MVP in Newton. They didn't have their best defensive player in KK short. They didn't have Wait, their left tackle. Not, time. You okay. Sorry. My bad. They're second is best, on that team. Their second best defensive player. They didn't have their left tackle and Greg little. They, you know, they're missing a lot of that team and they're winning games. If, this is a tired uh, conversation in any sport, but like, well, what is a mo- what does MVP mean? Most valuable player? Well, in that case, well, in that case, Christian McCaffrey. This team is zero and five without McCaffrey. I don't mean to circle back to him, but I just I'm just so blown away by how incredible he's been because Kyle Allen is excited as we got after his first start is very much regressed at this point. And McCaffrey is absolutely carrying this team while Newton recuperates. And if if the Panthers do take this into January and they have a nice January run, we can't forget what McCaffrey did to save their season at this point, because I think there's nothing less than that, not to sell their defense short, which has come on as well. But I really think McCaffrey has been an absolute 
godsend revelation. I guess you'd worry a little bit about his workload because he had Can't get hurt. 37 touches last week, and they lent, they lean on him again this week about as hard as you can. And he, and he was banged up at the end of the game. And just to point out that Minshew had two bad fumbles in this, one return for a touchdown. He hasn't been perfect, but, from, but throwing the ball, once it gets out of his hands, nine touchdowns and one pick this season. Also, he also threw one right to uh, Bradbury on the last drive. That, that should have been caught. But that, but, okay, but I mean, it's just that he's not perfect, all he's these other fun. rookies are doing yeah. that, you know, making right. and killer mistakes. The every Panthers, week. use your backups. You know, McCaffrey... He had, what, uh, cramps in this game? At the end. And so you brought in uh, Bonifan, and he runs for 59 yards he, you know, on one play, and he goes five for 80 and a touch. It's like backup running backs can succeed behind a really good run-blocking offensive line, which I, I think the Panthers are on their best days. Is, is Jalen Ramsey going to play next week? I don't care know. anymore. And I, you know what? I think you know the Jaguars who should care? Should, the Jaguars care. should. And I, I mean, bet they, that locker room cares. Well, they, you know what? Their front office should care and all that. But the players have something else to focus on at this point. That sounds cliche, but it's like, forget Jalen Ramsey. Get on the field or, or not. Total disgrace. I don't know how banged up he is. but Let's move on. Three by two to the near side. Bridgewater takes a gun snap. Quick throw caught Mike Thomas at the five. He breaks one tackle. Walks into the end zone. Mike Thomas. Touchdown. I told you the guy was too little, man. And that was another, that was a safety that had a shot at him at first, but he was not big enough. Mike Thomas <laughs> playing like a grown man today. 10 catches, 182, two touchdowns. And Saints lead it 31 to 17. Wow, some huge games today in the NFL. Zach Streep and Deuce McAllister with a nice call there. Saints Radio Network. Teddy Bridgewater passed for 314 yards and four touchdowns, including that game icing connection with Michael Thomas. And the New Orleans Saints beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31 to 24. Bridgewater is now 3-0 as the Saints starter. Mm. And, Greg, this is the first game you could say he was the main driver behind the victory. He was, although it's it's tough to pick which Saints group played best in this game because they dominated. This was as their best game of the season, by far their most complete game of the season. The score couldn't be more misleading. It was one-way traffic. You know, Teddy's going deep, and Jameis Winston can't go deep. He's shook. You know, box scores and stats lie sometimes. This was a one-score game at the end. It was 457 to 174 yards uh, before a garbage time uh, d- touchdown drive by the Bucks. Jameis Winston numbers in the box score looked pretty good. It was one of his worst games. He could have had five interceptions. He was hesitant. He was shook early because his pass protection that he had last week in Los Angeles was nowhere to be found, and the Saints defensive line just ran up and down on them. Lattimore held Mike Evans to a shutout. It was wow. It was just a complete a per- shutout. A, no catches on three targets. He was How across from happen? him on almost every snap of the entire game, and if you're a Saints fan, you got to be feeling so good because the breeze injuries weirdly helped them just because now that they're piling up wins it's the rest of the team is, has come together and shown what they can do and Teddy's gotten better every week yep you Greg you mentioned at the time of Drew Brees's injury that this is the kind of challenge that will reinvigorate Sean Payton and it was a narrative and it's proven to be a savvy take that he has been reinvigorated by this, and you. I think you'd have to put him first. And I mean, it's early, but coach of the year material. I think the Rams. Um, uh, you know, the Rams beat the Saints this year. It's the only team that beat the Rams. But I think the Saints are the clear cut team of the NFC right now. I don't think there's anybody close to them. And when Drew Brees gets back, assuming the other pieces come together, this team looks as locked in 
as any team you'll find at this time of year. Now right. you have to carry that on through deep into the season, but you don't get the vibe of Sean Payton team is going to let down here. I, I think this is a train that's going to keep rolling on the flip side. I mean, Bruce Arians came out of this <laughs> calling certain players on the roster soft and he was secondary secondary. And yet this was the game that made a believer in me out of Teddy Bridgewater in this offense for the distance that he needs to go. It's not obviously the best defense you face, but Michael Thomas became a thing again where he was an absolute deep threat. I just, I wondered when the offense might catch up to him with the way they were operating before. Alvin Kamara is a total star, and he can take 15 screen passes a game and make mincemeat out of the right defense, but it's much better to have a vertical danger threat. Right. The the key play of the game for Teddy to me was a third and 10 when it was, I believe, 24 to 17. The Buccaneers had scored to make it a one score game. He had a third and 10. He had pressure in his face and he threw a dime on a deep out. That is not an easy pass to complete uh, over the top of a zone defense. And he made, I would say, four throws like that in the game. It's not like he needed to make a ton of dazzling throws, but he made four really impressive throws. He made one mistake on an interception that was thrown a little behind Kamara, and uh, Sean Payton called an amazing game. Taysom Hill was more involved in this game, uh, and it worked when Taysom Hill was in the game. You know what you get next week? Mm. Uptick Teddy, who we're all into now, against Mm. Gardner Minshew. Mm. So if I'm reading the room right, you guys think the Saints are now like a a 30-point-a-week offense. No, I wouldn't. I, I think just get to but Breeze comes back. This was one game. I don't even think that you can expect that out of Drew Brees. No, this was one game where it, they hit everything well. I still worry about the depth that it's Thomas, Kamara, and what else? Jared Cook had made a couple mistakes, but also made a couple plays today for the first time. They're, but their off, offensive line is really good, and their defensive line, it, which I, I really want to stress, Davenport, Jordan, now that Rankins is back, Malcolm Brown is playing well for them. Uh, I'm forgetting someone here. Trey Hendrickson, when he's out there, they're as good as any defensive line in the league right now. They shut down the run and they get after it. And if if you're that good up front with Sean Payton and whoever, they're going to be gold. And Alvin Kamara hasn't even really gotten rolling yet. I I feel like this this is an offense that's going to continue. It's funny we say that, and you're right, but he's like on pace for 1,800 yards from scrimmage. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he hasn't had any like extreme uh, McCaffrey-type game. Oh, the Seattle Seattle, yeah. yeah. But you're right. I'm with you. Like They held him down, and he still had 100. Six yards. All right. Let's head to the swamps of Jersey. Cook, 182 yards from scrimmage. Cousins, back to pass, fires to the end zone, and it's caught by Thielen. Yes! Touchdown, Adam Thielen. A nine-yard touchdown, his second today, the second from the arm of Kirk Cousins, and Minnesota leads 24-10. That is Paul Allen of Vikings Radio Network, not Paul Allen, the murder victim in American Psycho. That would be wild. That would be hard to achieve. Kirk Cousins threw two touchdowns to Adam Thielen. That was um, Jared Leto's character in the film. Just rewatch it on that. Please delve further into it. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw two touchdowns to Adam Thielen. Delvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had more than 200 yards of total offense. And the Vikings humbled Giants rookie Daniel Jones. A 28-10 victory. Oh, yeah, Jones is probably a pretty humble guy, actually. So I don't know if he was humbled, but he, it was a reminder or maybe a first lesson that um, being a quarterback at the highest level is going to be bad days. Everybody has him. This was Jones's first bad game. Uh, Kirk Cousins um, apologized to Adam Thielen on a podcast this week. That was still pretty weird. Yes. Very we didn't weird. really delve into that as much as we probably should have. It's last his week. podcast. It's like kicking it. That's with weird, Kirk. too. 
that's also weird. That's his Made personality. That but anyway, like, at, and that's, you know, that's, part of the I, problem a little I, bit. I know. Lodged onto your radar, but it's just how he operates. Uh, but action beats contrition. And he targeted his number one boy, my number one boy, eight times. Thielen responded with seven catches for a buck 30, two TDs. And 28-10's the final. Um, that featured a Vikings Dalvin Cook fumble at the one-yard line after he had broken a long run when they were going in. It featured a, a Vikings first and goal from the one where they got held from th- to three points. And it also, the Vikings kneeling on the ball inside the Giants' five as the game ended. Wow. So this wasn't really even close, this game. The Vikings... Uh, a team who caught a ton of heat uh, leading up to this game. And there are still probably issues <laughs> with this team. What was that? <laughs> who was that? Is that you? I Mark, you didn't hit my- the button. I did. Hit the wrong button. Apologies. <laughs> a human sound, a cough. I mean, it's it's good. After six years of doing this, we're just looking for new experiences. <laughs> I have like new. a 99.98% success rate with the cough button. That's You're one like, of the we few got times the other part of it today. I, I, like do, I, do without, I do without looking. So You do cough a lot. Just... A lot of coughing. But well, he mastered that button me. a long time ago. Are you still vaping? Got to get, the vaping is very dangerous. I never Chemical burns. Vaping? <laughs> no, Mark's not a vapor. People are apparently dying from I'm reading articles that are quite suspicious. Chemical burns, bro. Yeah, um, anyway, so got the, there are still issues, you imagine, in Minnesota in that locker room. Stefan Diggs, who ended up getting a, a big, beefy fine this week for missing practices and meetings, and he wasn't exactly a huge mm. part of this offense. Four, four targets, three catches for 44. But you're getting Thielen involved. Dalvin Cook, a little bit of a sloppy ball, ball game for me. He put the ball on the ground twice, uh, lost the fumble, as I said, but also, again, showed that he is just basically, when he gets in space, there's very few guys who are uh, as terrifying as him. And the Giants' uh, defense playing very thin at the linebacker position, and you see that with great wide-open swaths of space. So check this game out. They had almost 500 yards of total offense, Minnesota, and they took the foot off the pedal in the second half. Um, so a very one-sided win. And my last point before I throw it to you guys is, uh, and we talked about this West on sky sports, Kirk cousins and play action have been, that is a bread and butter. It should be for this offense, but it hadn't been all season, but in this game, he went nuts with it. And you saw how dangerous they can be when they sell the Dalvin cook aspect of the offense and then use their big receivers, uh, and play action yardage almost matched all their total up into Sunday with one game today. Well, I think, you know, Kirk kept the Wolves at bay for another week. Now he returns home to face the Eagles coming off a pair of impressive games. And we have said you trust in Kirk and the Vikings offense when they're clearly the better team playing at home. I don't know if they're clearly better than the Eagles. The 1 p.m. game that no one's paying attention against a depleted defense. But, you know, you, you can only play the team in front of you. And he came out after this week, and he had more yards in the first half by far than the Giants had the entire game. Dalvin Cook also had more yards in this game than the Giants had the entire game. They had 211 yards. So it was a complete game from their entire team, which is a veteran a veteran thing to do. They're two 2-2-2 two two teams entering this game, and yet, you know, as Dan said, they're, they're really not close. I think they're the team that's going to make a fool out of us week after week because we're going to overreact in theory. They got what players, happened. though, so I'm not sure about that because they have well, hold players. On. Okay, but I, I, I see them as an 8-8 eight and eight team, and they're going to do what they did last week, and then next week they're going to go have a breakdown where we're all freaking out again. I'm never going to pick them to lose at home. 
Well, I think they're, they're still saddled with it. And I still believe in them. I, I really do. I, and I to think, what extent, though? Where, I to, be, what, to what limit and where do they end I up? I think with they, could have these, they could potentially win the division. I think they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Why not? If they, I don't, okay. I don't buy I mean, this we, whole like buy, the know. first five games of your season winds up telling you what they're going to be. And what I see is a lot of talent on this team and a lot of people that have been together and they're not at, they haven't hurt themselves with bad losses. So I think they're a team that can change. It's a it's tough to very much on my radar. The issues internally, because if that is festering in late September, early October, if there is more drama, if there's more struggles on the field, that could be something where the locker room blows apart. But I think from a talent standpoint, I still think this is a talented offense. I still think the defense is talented. We saw it today uh, where Jones was just kind of uh, never comfortable in this game. They sacked him four times, hit him a bunch more. He averaged uh, less than five yards per attempt. The uh, Danny Dimes in the Gabbard zone. Uh, so a nice game for the Vikings. Cousins, nice bounce back game. But yes, let's see where they are next week because people will be watching. Well, I want to see them attention live to up game. to the talent every week. I mean, it's no one's questioning that they're talented players. Well, they're three and two. So they're not I, in terrible shape. I'm not. I'm not. Sent, I'm not shooting yeah. them off Earth's surface into deep space. It's it just is. I am allowed to look at a couple of these teams with a suspicious eye versus shoving all of them into the NFC title game. Of they're course. not all going to make it. Of course, I, it's more just like whether we're ruling them out now, and I just don't see them no. that way. The the NFC North is tricky though. All four teams are above 500 after five weeks. You just don't see that almost ever. And I don't think any of them are fluky in terms of how they got to their record. So it's going to be very tricky to get out of that. It's the yin and yang for the AFC North. Mm. Mm. I operate in the skies. You're down on the ground. (laughs) Let's move on. Watson awaits Uh, the snap with two receivers to the right. Two stacked left. Deshaun gets the snap. Looking left. Watson dancing. And Watson throwing downfield. And he's got Fuller across the 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Awesome. Love it, Mark Vandermeer. One of my favorite calls from you that I've ever heard. <laughs> Sleep well, my friend. <laughs> Deshaun Watson threw for a career high 426 yards and tied his personal best. Five touchdown passes, including three to that man, Will Fuller. Texans drop a 50 burger on the oh, garbage Falcons. Oof. They stink. 53 to 32 final. Uh, Fuller finished with 217. I'm telling you. Uh, this is a, f- a fantasy goldmine week five. Some of these monster performances, 217 yards for Will Fuller, Fuller, who, by the way, is their number two receiver. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Greg, when the Texans are right, they are positively scary. The, this is such a fun game and performance for you guys to watch on Game Pass. I think something to point out with that radio call, which was really well done. Mark Vandermeer. It was still a game then. It's third and five. It's a one possession game under two minutes to go. And I think most teams would either call a run there because the Falcons had no timeouts. You could have burned the clock down to about 120 or you could have called a very safe pass. But what do they do? They make up a play as they go along. Fuller adjusted that route. He saw what the defense was doing. Watson saw him makes a beautiful throw. Watson is as streaky as any quarterback in the league. I mean, they they scored 24 points combined in their first two home games. They put 53. He's streaky sometimes within games. This game was all just one good streak. Poor Matt Ryan's trying to come back in this game. And here are the, the Texans' last nine possessions. And they only had 10. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, end of half. 
okay, the, the Falcons are still ahead at that point, despite uh, uh, you know Texans doing well. Okay, we're fighting back. Ain't a picture, Greg. All right, touchdown, <laughs> field goal. Okay, the Falcons are still in this game. It's one possession, even though they haven't stopped. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Oh. Matt Ryan's just like, give me a chance to come back in this game. There's no chance. This defense is wretched. Uh, and after the game, Arthur Blank, you know, gave his coaching staff the old vote of confidence. But Uh-oh. the the bloggers who are Val- Falcons fans and watching the coaches film and breaking this down every week are pointing out how poorly coached this defense is. It's Dan Quinn, which is, who is also the defensive coordinator of one of the great defenses of the century in Seattle. So things can change. Well, and Dan Quinn, who I think lived up to the promise early on. And now we, I, you get into a weird space with these young coaching guys who the message at this point is frayed and it's lost because what are you telling anyone that you stand for as the Falcons head coach when everything was based around urgent, relentless defense, zero sacks on Watson. That's what flips the switch on Watson when he's not getting taken down five, six, seven times in a game and knocked to the ground 12 or 13 times. They they almost had a Golston in this game. The Mm. Atlanta Falcons had one quarterback hit, no sacks. Deshaun Watson has been protected pristinely three straight weeks. And I know he, he took a lot of sacks last week. He he got great pass protection in that game a week ago. That was not a great performance for him and the play calling and everyone else. And this team looks awfully dangerous when he's protected. And Will Fuller's healthy. And Kiki QT had a really good game. Uh, when they're, they're just adding weapons to this group. <sighs> they're a weird team. Can I throw a weird thing? So, like, yeah. with, with the Vikings, like... Uh, the Texans have their issues all over the place, and they're a weird team. But to me, I look at their ceiling and I'll say, I'm not going to count you out of anything at all on any level. From a psychic level, I look at the Vikings and just say, I don't feel that way. I don't know what the difference is. Maybe it's totally well, illogical. Here's, here's Too my bad counter to that is that Good O-line in I Texas feel like Houston, now. they have to contend with two incredible superpowers in their own conference, though. Like when you talk, want to talk about ceilings on a team. But not in their division. Well, and so I'm that's, talking about that, if you're we're trying to play in February here. Right. They're trying to get a home game in the playoffs and start there, and then you can see what happens. And J.J. Watt had one of, if not his best games since he's returned from his injury uh, today, too. So there's just a lot of he nice, great last nice, week too. nice signs for this team. All right, let's move on. Get excited, Wes. Empty backfield for Flacco. Five-man pressure. Protection is good. Flacco throws wide open receiver. The Flacco coaster. He pulls away. Sudden down the sideline. 30, 25, 20. Foot race to the goal line. Touchdown, Denver. It is a touchdown catch and run of 70 yards. And Denver is in front 13-0 over the Chargers. Dave Logan with the call. Broncos Radio Network. Yes, Wes. The Broncos are off the schneid. Joe Flacco connected on a long one to Cortland Sutton. Philip Lindsay piled up 147 yards of total offense. I think Fazio. That defense shut out the Chargers in the first half, held on for a 20-13 win at the Dignity and Health for All Park. Um, Wes, they got it done. Well, they controlled this game from the outset, and there were a few scary moments in the second half when the offense went in the tank for about 25 straight minutes. Um, I don't think they had a first down in the third quarter. As they wanted. They did not have a thir- first down in the third quarter. Um, but the, the Broncos' defense had their best game of the year. And you're not going to see a huge box score for Von Miller and Malik Reed, but they both played well. Malik Reed is the undrafted rookie uh, filling in for Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. He played well. Kareem Jackson had three or four huge plays, including knocking the ball out of Austin Eckler's hands as he was diving for the pylon on the last play 
of the first half. It was a really good performance by the Broncos D and frankly, their running game, which has been good all year. And they have, they have controlled the clock. This offense has, they just have had so many untimely penalties from their offensive line, killing their running game, killing their momentum. And, and in this today, they, they got through that. Philip Lindsay was spectacular and was, uh, he had, he had a cut and some suddenness in the four minute offense that was, you know, got me out of my seat. It was so impressive. Uh, what I, I mean, the play that you mentioned, Wes, at the end of the first half, being able to keep Eckler out of the end zone there and preserve a 17 point lead. And then Rivers goes down the field and throws that interception. That's 14 points, um, nine times out of 10 with the Chargers in their offense. Uh, but give Denver credit for making the stance. I didn't think Rivers looked comfortable all game. He should have had a couple more passes picked off. He did not play well. And. They had no running game. Melvin Gordon came back, and we assumed that he and Eckler would maybe go back to being one of the best tandems in the league. They had 19 first downs. Zero, zero came via the run. Mm. Yeah, he carries for seven yards for Eckler. They opened up in that first half with the, with the fumble at the end. Punt, interception, missed field goal, which was a killer. Then that fumble at the end. Come out of it with three straight punts and an interception. They can't, this is the Chargers team that loses you because they cannot get out of their own way. They uh, haven't looked right all year. I know they're just two and three and they've had some moments. I think Rivers has played really well until this, until this week has played well, but he's had some ill-timed turnovers, which Joe Flacco's had and had it in this game too. He had two, one was on a, on a tip pass, but there's something it's the defense mostly, but there's something like not gelling with this team. Maybe that's what happens when you lose five to six starters to injury and you don't have a home field. Cause once again, this was a Broncos home game. And rivers has to overcome that offensive line every week. He does a good job of it, but they have scored 13 points or fewer in three of the last four games. And every, every Keenan Allen catch, and he didn't have many today for free. Had a big drop too. I, I always just think of, wow, it's crazy. The numbers Allen puts up, when so many of those catches and throws are tough throws. Like, it's not like they're getting Keenan Allen open. It's just oh. a hard way to run an offense. Hmm. Uh, by the way, Wes, big road win here. 0 and 4, history tells us you're done. Now 1 and 4. And now they get back to back games in Denver, where I know they've lost two games in a heartbreaking fashion, Look but they're, you making they're the tough games. there. Well, Wes is on the roller coaster, so we're on it with him. Uh, home against the Titans. <laughs> I'm not on it. <laughs> Nor, nor am I. Enjoy. Home Enjoy against the Titans next week. Winnable ball game. Of course. And then home against the Chiefs on a short week on Thursday Night Football. I think that Titans game might be the only game all year the Broncos play a team with a worse offensive line than they have. Ooh, troublesome. Let's move on. I tried. 31-yard attempt by Zane Gonzalez to win the game. Zano. Tied at 23 with two seconds to go. Andy Lee to hold. The snap's good. The ball's down. The kick is up. The kick is good. Break out the bow ties. This one's for Mr. B. Cardinals win it 26-23. The first win of the Cliff Kingsbury era. Wow, like that call. Of course, Bill Bidwell, the team's original owner who passed away last week. Yeah, so the Cardinals win one for Bidwell. Uh, rookie Kyler Murray ran for a touchdown and led the Cardinals on a drive that ended with Zane Gonzalez's 31-yard field goal on the final play. Cardinals, yes, get that first win under Cliff Kingsbury, 26-23 over the Bengals, who stink in their own building. 
man, Greg, look like uh, look like for a moment the Bengals would find a way to spend their misery for at least one week. But Murray said, nah. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for all, you know, as a representative for all the Cardinals fans out there. I just assumed covering this game, this would be the last game we got to. So it's nice. This is, you know, kind of in the middle. It's kind of an accident. Okay. But, uh, yeah, because I just I meant to put Bills Tennessee higher, and that was just an oversight. So, but enjoy it. It's but you know what? Era. It was a cl- it was a football game where if you thought, ooh, these are winless teams, and it's probably not going to be very interesting. You know what? You were right for fifty six minutes. The Cardinals should have been up by thirty points in this game. They were tripling the Bengals total yardage. It was twenty three to nine, and suddenly the the Bengals go wild, score two touchdowns. Uh, in the last five minutes to make it a tie game. And then Kyler Murray rips off uh, a nice run that reminded me a little bit of Michael Vick uh, in his famous like run against the Vikings. Yeah, really small version. <laughs> and, I, and we talked about it going into this game. If there's one thing to like about the Cliff Kingsbury experience, it's the running game. And they ran for 266 yards. Whoa. Today. Murray ran for 93. Uh Wow. David Johnson had a total of 166 from scrimmage. And even Chase Edmonds had a big run that that put the game away. David right? Johnson Positive. putting up big numbers week after week, like the old yeah. days. I mean, a lot of it's been through the air. So this, this is actually encouraging. I don't think they've had anything close to this on the ground. The Cardinals so far, they're good doing pretty good, like yards per carry. And if you watch, like they're opening up some holes where it's been a pretty good running game throughout the year. The problem is they're trailing so much. You don't get to use it. So this was a nice game for them there where they could get a lead against a Bengals team who looked so overmatched in the first half. I would, I just was thinking, wow, this is a low moment for the Andy Dalton era, not for the Bengals franchise, which has had some low moment moments, but not looking competitive against the Cardinals is pretty low. You know who finds a way to win in this game? Marvin Lewis. What? Does he? Yeah. Well, what you a know, tie. Bengals can, were never this bad under Marvin. Marvin Lewis is somewhere. Image. You're right. Marvin Lewis is somewhere saying just like, hey, remember this? This is what it was like before I was there, too. Marvin Lewis raised the Titanic, Chris Wessling. Right. But this is a Bengals team that was similar to last year's that really had so many backbreaking injuries that you. I, how do you even evaluate this Bengals team? That's right fair. Now? Tyler Boyd and is the only receiver left. And, and the buzzards, the buzzards are circling uh, our GM app. Yes. There are a lot of uh, GMs, according to Jason Lockonfora of CBS Sports, just circling the Bengals, trying to get A.J. Green, checking in on Geno Atkins, checking in on Carlos Dunlap. This is a team going nowhere this year. You think they'd say no to moving these guys? They They don't do anything fun. You know how that (laughs) that operation is mom and pop. They are they don't think of things the same way other teams do. And I, I, I would be surprised if they sold off lifelong Bengals like A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, and Carlos Dunlap. Green is unique. I don't think they would with uh, Atkins and, you know, probably not Dunlap. But Green's unique because he's in the last year of his contract. He hasn't been healthy at all. And I think you might get a good offer for him. Like if I don't think you can get a first for him at this stage with those injuries. What if you're Minnesota? Just, like, ship out Stefan Diggs, and then you get Stefan Diggs' contract? I would take that if I'm the Bengals, and I feel like Minnesota, you know, Things like, like that, you, things can well, happen. I don't know if the Vikings have solved any of their problems with that move. Green is a rare talent. Why not? You get you get A.J. Green. Who I is A.J. Green now? Oh, yeah, well, it's not know. even on the field right now. Green is the rare talent, though, where you might roll the dice in that situation. One of the, you know, on a short list. I mean, Diggs. But you want to see asked, him at least back on the field. Diggs, when they asked him today if uh, he was happy to be in Minnesota, he goes, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And then he <laughs> did, did a... Well, good Diggs. He did a one... He did a wink and then a click sound. He was like, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And then with a little wink and a click. I That's have what you want to hear. A limited <laughs> amount of <laughs> it's problem. 
interest in the way these guys are handling their business. <laughs> <laughs> you're under contract. Well, sometimes you do. I mean, you're getting paid a lot of money. Let's move on. Let's hear it for Cliff Kingsbury's first win. First Way to down, go, guy. It. Offset eye formation, set up right side. <laughs> the snap. Josh going to keep it himself. Running around the left side. The He's Antonio got the Brown down. School Flags of down. Business. Stays inbounds. First down, Buffalo. At the 19-yard line, and the celebration is on for the Bills' offensive players on the field. 136-135, and the Buffalo Bills are going to get out of Tennessee with a hard-fought victory. John Murphy. Murph. I would call him Murph if we were, like, having brews. Checks I think up. that's what he goes by. Yeah, hey, Murph. Another Open cold on one, Murph. Show. You'd fit right yeah. in. Yeah. Nice guy. Another cold one, Murph. How about some wings? Vegan wings for my friend, Mjark. Is that a thing? How do you make a vegan, vegan wing? wing? Sounds like where do the it's bones? It's the same thing over and over. <laughs> What's the just point of it? Come to work, deal with Dan for nine hours, go back home, <laughs> wake up, do the same thing again, travel to a foreign country with him, have to deal with the same thing on a high octane pitch for eight days in a foreign country, come back to the states, reshuffle the deck, same thing over and over. You guys think this is a joke? This is how he really feels. <laughs> Josh it's Allen's how I feel. third down scramble in the final two minutes locked up another win for the Bills, who bounced back from last week's near miss against the Patriots with a 14-7 to win over the Titans in Nashville. Wes, another big day for the Bills' stud defense and a different kind of Kai's Kai to deal with, huh? <laughs> Cairo Santos missed four field goals, two in the 50-yard range, two in the 30-something-yard range. And that was one big problem. The other big problem is this offensive line. We've been saying for a while that that Marcus Mariota turns pressure into sacks as frequently as any quarterback. I think it's time to just say this isn't even on Marcus Mariota. This offensive line is brutal. Their guards are terrible. Roger Saffold is looking like an early free agent bust. The other guard spot, they pushed Nate Davis, a rookie third rounder, into the starting lineup. He struggled. Um... Jordan Phillips, the Bills defensive tackle, had six and a half sacks in his career coming into this game, had three in the first half, Mm. all on third down, I believe. Well, at least Mariota took three third down sacks in a row, which is his move. He's going to use it. But this (laughs) Titan, I I think this offensive line is an Achilles heel that's going to keep them from being good all year. Even getting Taylor Luan back, because that was the oh, you should have this week. You should have seen the Bills players talking trash at Taylor Luan after the game, saying he's basically just a mouth and that's it. Woo. We know what his weakness is. He can't deal with pressure to the inside. They were just like, oh, we were glad he came back so he can get some of this action. That too. mouth did pass a lie detector test. I'll throw that out there, <laughs> but that didn't. <laughs> no, that never. Didn't I want to see how we verified those results of Taylor Luan. Hey, we always talk about, you know, we don't know who these teams are. Hey, it's week five. You know, they're one week they're up, one week they're down. The Buffalo Bills are the same team every week, and I'm I'm falling for them. Just this weird, ugly amalgamation of I don't know, good coaching and bad offense. <laughs> one of one of the things. <laughs> Sell that, it, baby. One of the things that they do have every week is they don't have a great offense overall, but give Brian Dable credit. Yes, that's what I mean. He has caught, he has done package plays at a really high level where guys like Isaiah McKenzie are taking end arounds for 46 yards. They have a lot of guys that they're just using for a few plays a game and getting a lot out of them. John Brown hit another good game, too. Some of Dable's most creative play calling came last year when they were even more limited on offense and had to do anything to get generate positive they're yards. Four and one. They four and one and they're they're a ten win team even with this formula because you're gonna knock out another six teams between now and New Year's with this defense. Maybe no 11 problem. Or 12, yeah, I'm they have a weak you. schedule. We know both of these teams. Titans are the Titans also. 
Titans right. fans were really upset with Mike Vrabel after this game. I didn't like watch closely enough because I'm covering two games to see why they were upset with him, but they were very upset with Mike Vrabel and don't think he's a the good score to start. Well, yeah, they got seven points, but to me, that's on the offensive line. Hmm. Dan, didn't you mention Big you lot. just simply not that this isn't a novelty for you, but that you were going, you were absolutely just going to wait another week before you even got excited about them. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's it couldn't be everyone who's coming at you. It could, could not be, be less true. surprised by the outcome of this game. The offense doesn't show up against a good opponent, a good defense. You're in your building with a chance to build build some momentum, but the Titans don't build momentum. Mm. They just go hot and cold, hot and cold with nothing in between. Remember, you were like, right about Smokey Brown all those years ago, by the way. He's a true number well, one he, receiver. When he's healthy, it's just that he's he, a true number one, though. I didn't think he had this in him. He's been playing great. All Frank, right. Frank Gore iced this game, too. Look at that guy. Two, he's still doing great it. Great signing. Frank Gore. Go ahead. Two your horns, inconvenient. Well, I, I, it's not my horn. Been riding that train for a long time. It's been it. The train's been going. I don't know what. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Ricky Hollywood uh, this weekend. She is. I don't know where she is. But she's essentially a part-time producer at the wedding of our friend Emma. But fair enough. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Well, congratulations to Emma, by the way. Emma VP. Congrats. Emma VP of uh, that vanity broadcast. What is it called again? The broadcast. Oh, I thought you meant the Dave Damashek football program, but she has moved on from that. She has moved on to another company. Married a man named Brett, a nice guy. Brett's a nice guy. He is a very nice guy. Nabil behind the glass filling in and doing great work so far. Um, the one thing you have to work on, Nabil, is the, um, the ah, drop. <laughs> We've, we've but we might not have clued you own. in on it yet, so... No, he has like a 98 PFF score right now. You're doing fine. <laughs> Just That's need great. a little it. Orson Welles, and we're going to get that up to 100. He's the Mitchell Schwartz of right tackle. Can we get a Nabil cam for the YouTube show? I mean, the kid deserves it. He's killing it. He does. They didn't even get a camera ready. Right, look, Bartlett behind the glass says, no, no camera for he's Nabil. Like, I, he's like, how there long did he work he hasn't on, earned it yet. on his hair today for that there camera? We go. Still giving him the rookie treatment. Let him go. All right, there were two uh, truly dreadful a- NFC, e- uh, NFC East versus AFC East games, so let's knock those out. <laughs> Do they try to go power run again? They don't. Falk rolls, now fires, and it's intercepted. Intercepted by Gary. Down the sideline goes Nathan Gary. Touchdown, Nathan Gary. He did it in Atlanta, and he does it again. So the pick six by Nathan Gary holds up. Nathan Gary, yes, indeed, returned an interception for a score. Orlando Scantrick took a strip sack the distance as well. Two defensive scores for the Eagles, who route the Jets 31-6 in Philadelphia. The Eagles savaged third-string Jets quarterback Luke Falk to the tune of 10 sacks, 16 quarterback hits. The Jets managed 125 yards against the league's 32nd-ranked defense entering Sunday. Um, The Eagles' offense, meh. The one thing... Uh, during this dreadful 0-4 start for the Jets is that the defense has mostly held up. Uh, not been a, a great unit, but has not been embarrassing. It's been the offense that's been embarrassing. And in this case, we saw it again uh, because Carson Wentz was held under 200 yards passing. He only threw a touchdown, uh, one touchdown pass. Jordan Howard ran for 62 yards and one touchdown. So a modest day on the ground for the Eagles as well. But when you have a mismatch um, and any team that sends Luke Falk out on the field is going to have a mismatch. But I think um, with the Jets right now, it's it's so beyond 
Falk. And and there was the report Mike Garofolo reported before the game that um, Adam Gase, who was confident enough in the idea of Sam Darnold returning from his ma- mono bout, that he gave Darnold the majority of first t- team reps heading into Friday. Um, and then when Darnold was a surprise out because his spleen had not, um, I don't know, uh, decreased not, in size. I think returned to its normal size. It thrust Fock back into uh, the first string. And you know what? That will be that will be what everyone gets on Gaze for. Uh, and that's fine. You could have given Luke Falk uh, 100 days of uh, reps and it wouldn't have mattered because Luke Falk is not an NFL quarterback. But uh, on the subject of Adam Gase, there is no way to sugarcoat at this point how bad the team looks. And they're not going to win these games. They really got screwed with the schedule because on top of everything else, they're just playing great teams every week, it seems, the Jets. But it doesn't excuse the embarrassment week after week and the fact that they in this game they didn't look prepared at all coming off a of bye week. So I'm I'm kind of reaching the point and wondering if Adam Gase could be in danger if Sam Darnold doesn't come back and absolutely uh turn this team instantly into a competitive unit because I think it's gotten that bad and that embarrassing uh I would imagine for Christopher Johnson and Jets ownership. The Jets this is not a great setup for Sam Darnold. You've got an angry Cowboys team followed by the Patriots, followed by the Jaguars. And the latter two can damage a quarterback if they want to. And I, I, I would say it's probably a great thing that Sam Darnold was not out there today if he were to take even half the punishment that Luke Falk took. Well, it should be no... Yes, no, and you're absolutely not, right. It would have been more than half. There, there's no way the, that Sam Darnold takes 10 sacks. Falk is completely overwhelmed, and he held on to the ball too long. He had a deer-in-the-headlights look for the entire game. He's just not a pro quarterback. Maybe he develops in time, but he's an undrafted practice squad player uh, that is just getting killed against great NFL teams. Adam uh, Gase believes he's a pro quarterback so much that he's employed him at two places and brought him with him. So I think he deserves at least some of that Luke Falk. I think you're right. I think that uh, watching the Jets is impossible right now, and Gase deserves uh, a lot of blame for that, even with the fact that they've lost two quarterbacks. It has been that bad for them. 14 drives, nine first downs. They did score a touchdown on offense for the first time you don't see- since week one. It happened after a muffed punt by the Eagles, but, you know. Shio Kapadia of The Athletic wrote a stat that uh, only three times since the start of last year has a team averaged under 2.5 yards per play, and Fox's last two starts are two of those three. Well, that goes to Dan's point. NFL. <laughs> So there you go. The NFL maybe is not the league for Luke Falk. No, he'll be an XFL quarterback in about a year or two. Um, this is the worst start to a Jets season in my lifetime. And that's saying so. That is. They are that bad. Eagles, Eagles, the last two weeks have gotten off the mat, you know, and the schedule helps them out this week. But with so many injuries and they still have them, uh, that's pretty crucial for a team now, that now is tied for the NFC East uh, lead. And check this out. Yes, they're th- now they're three and two. And the Jets was a great basic practice run through. Now they go on a three game road trip. Yikes. Where they get at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo. Then they, they come home for Bears, Patriots, Seahawks. That is a gauntlet. That's a gauntlet. And you, you imagine you would sign off maybe for three and three there. Way to, tuck a, way to tuck a would be Super Bowl run if you're a wild card team into the middle of your season. 
Would you be happy with three and three? I don't know. Uh, probably not. You're probably, if you view yourself as a Super Bowl contender, you want to win four of those six, but it's not going to be easy. I would imagine the Eagles look at their roster and think we can beat any team any week. We should beat any team any week. Uh, let us move on to the nation's capital, or close to it. Landover. That's in the Midwest. Second down and four for New England. Brady under center on the retreat. Dropping back. He's pressured. He rolls right. He throws it down the right side for an open Bolden. Catches the five. Into the end zone. Touchdown. Patriots. Brandon Bolden shades of Denver several years ago in the snow. The guy that gouged you last year when he was in Miami and two big touchdown runs. They bring him out of the backfield. He goes off the tight end. Little double move wheel route. And it's a perfect throw by Brady. A 29-yard touchdown. The Brandon Bolden down That's the right sideline. Yeah, that is enough. Calm down. We, we let him out of jail. Yeah, that's not bad. And now we're getting really kind of like this. This is the official song of the Patriots. <laughs> I'll take it. We're going to hear it 16 or 17 more times. Bob Sochi and Scott Zolak with the call. Patriots Radio Network. Tom Brady throws for 348 yards, three touchdowns, including that hookup to Brandon Bolden. And the Pats got another strong performance from their D, 33 to 7. Win over the Redskins, who are still looking for a W. Some of these bad teams are just dragging down our schedule week after week with non-competitive games, and uh, the Jets in Washington are two of them. Mark, what did you take away from this game featuring teams on opposite sides of the pro football spectrum? You know that I like to call games early on and just see if it sticks. And my internal game of our buzzer hit when Mike Nugent nailed a 37-yard field goal to put New England up 9-6. to six. And there was a, the reason was very simple, that you knew that Washington got an early touchdown off a pretty crazy uh, reverse by a guy named, let me Steven dive in Sims here. Jr.? Steven Sims Jr., the undrafted rookie. And that put him up early, but then you could tell right away that this Colt McCoy-led offense, and it hurt me to, to observe this so early in the game, was doomed, utterly doomed. And New England... The, the one takeaway, and I know it looks absurd inside a game that wound up 33-7, to a little concerned about their offense through the first 30 minutes of this because they, they put a lot, the Redskins put a ton of heat on Brady, and I know that we know he's one of the slowest guys, but he looked extra slow, like shoes filled with a mixture of, I know they would say cement, so cement plus like iron fillings and like car parts that you could fit in there. I mean, it was just, <laughs> he's running like a man that did not fit out there athletically. They threw the ball 31 times in the first half, basically gave up on the ground game and just went after the Redskins until they kind of pushed their way through them. I don't see a lot of chemistry between Tom Brady and Josh Gordon at this point for the kind of player that you'd think Josh Gordon could be. But Edelman took the game over in the second half. The defense was unbelievable. And I, th- to me, that's a lot on the Redskins that just have no, they have no, there's nothing about them that gives them any hint of identity. It shut down Adrian Peterson and a wanting quarterback behind it. One, a line that looked as bad as any line in the NFC in the first half of this game. I don't know what's to tell Jay you. Jay Gruden doesn't even care anymore, by the way, after the game. Uh, he's asked again, as he's asked every week now, and it cannot be easy. Uh, you know, do you think you're going to get fired soon? And he said, well, we'll see if my key card works on Monday. And he also Which said is he- an honest response because it, I imagine he feels very much in the dark uh, in his own organization right now, which has to be a, a tough situation. And he also said that when they asked him, he thought he's been given enough time to turn this program around 
and it hasn't happened. I mean, that feels so like that, a guy who's on that the- is a guy yeah. who knows. Look, I, I've had one of the toughest jobs in sports, and and I fought the good fight for a while, and it's not going to happen for me. And I know it. Adrian Peterson had an amazing quote when asked about the Patriots defense, and he said they showed a lot a lot of exotic stuff on film. But against us, they didn't really, you know, it was like, hey, we'll sit back here and see what you guys do and allow you guys to mess up. Well, that's a Hall of Fame player who's diagnosing that the Patriots are basically dialing it back against the Redskins because they know they can. What an advantage to not show anything on film for a regular season week. I hope Jay Gruden meets up with Red and they go to Ziwataneo and he just (laughs) chills for a while. He's earned it. Yeah, I mean, poor Gruden. They even, you know, those video services of him partying uh, and you you wonder the timing on that. It just it's a horrible situation. You just when that job becomes available, as it inevitably will um, in January, uh, who who wants that job? And I know there's there's only 32 of these jobs in the world. And being a head coach is always uh, the goal for anybody that's starting from when you're, you know, coaching uh, peewee football. But. God, this just feels like a hopeless situation in Washington right now. Maybe Adam Gase? No more uh, Patriots. Bring Jim Zorn back. No more Patriots 85 Bears comparisons, please, until they play a real offense. I mean, this, this I, I've never made. I've, I'm surprised that everyone coming out of that Bills game especially didn't think, oh, the Bills defense is the best one on the field. I think any defense in today's NFL is going to have a hard time truly dominating. And I'm with well, you on the Patriots defense. It's I think really they're the best defense in, in the league, and they've been lights out since, what, the first half? of the AFC championship game last week, last year, but let's see Let's see him play somebody. I mean, this must be coming from people who never saw the 85 bears who would not only stomp you, but knock your quarterback out of the game every week. It's statistical stuff. It's Scott Zola. piling up, but it's all because it's all yeah. they, they lost Philip Dorsett to a hamstring injury early. That's a, that could be a pretty big loss if it's for it a while. Be. Cause they're thin. They're thin there. They'll be fine. They'll <laughs> be fine. The offense, you know, Oh, they're in the market for for offensive help. They're one of the teams connected to all these receivers. Let's get AJ Green. Oh, let's go with AJ Green. Let's have a room. Just get Diggs in there. Get AJ Green. Bring Antonio Brown back. Get Gronk in there. They could use a guy like Brown maybe later in the season. Let's move on to Sunday night football. Mahomes under center. Hands off to Damian Williams. Stacked up. I don't think he got it. No, sir. Just in Houston. A homecoming of sorts again for the big fella. 99 for the Colts. Knights in there. Gets a tackle for a loss on fourth down. And the Colts take over in plus territory inside the Chief 35-yard line. You heard it. Matt Taylor of the Colts Radio Network. The Justin Houston revenge game. Revenge game, revenge game. Revenge games are undefeated. (laughs) He makes the big stop on fourth down, basically putting a bow on an incredible effort by the Colts who go into Arrowhead. (laughs) Listen to this horrible music. It's like Dirk Diggler's band. I mean, I, the you fact, got the touch. It's a good band. The fact that Huey Lewis uh, is resorting to these cheap tactics <laughs> to get a cheap bucks. Is Shame on you, shadowy league figures. Look what you've done to our Ooh, podcast. I like it. Is that a little back? Oh, that was a little, like little grinding like guitar. Kind of a Brian Bartlett looks like the producer from the studio in Boogie Nights. Kind of fun <laughs> oh, what a disgrace. All right. Anyway, 1913. Colts win. Colts win. In a game, they absolutely... Um, dominated time of possession, 37 minutes and 15 seconds to 22:45, And yes, yes, Chris Wessling, the Chiefs 
were beat up in this game. Guys went down, and once Patrick Mahomes uh, got spiked by his teammate uh, in the ankle, he was never the same quarterback, and that probably or may have uh, swung this game. But the Colts are beat up, too. They deserve a lot of credit for what they were able to pull off tonight. Well, before this game, nobody had ever held Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid under 26 points, and the Colts halved that. So give them a ton of credit. And Sammy Watkins left with the hamstring injury. They had some offensive line injuries. Like you said, the Mahomes injury. It didn't feel like we were dealing with a full deck of cards, but give the Colts credit. Nobody else is stopping this offense. No, Chris Jones may be the biggest injury for the Chiefs if that turns into a long-term injury. But the Colts aren't going to feel bad for anyone when it comes to injuries. They're missing both their two starting safeties. They're missing Darius Leonard. And what they've found in this 3-2 and two start before they, their bye is a backbone and an identity that's up front. And that means there's a small margin for error. I don't think it's the most talented team one to 53 in the league, but they're in every game. And in a game like this, where they started just running downhill and mashing the chiefs, there there is a spirit to this team. And I think Jacoby Brissett, even on a night where he didn't play that well, fits within this spirit. Quentin Nelson seems like a tone setter for them. Right. Anthony Costanzo's playing well. And I think the coach gives them real advantages. Every week I see plays that Frank Reich draws up that are beautiful and that his players execute well, but that you don't see on most teams. I love their defense too. It's like guys like Kerry Willis and Grover Stewart, Bobby Okri. Like these aren't stars. You can call it about the Justin Houston revenge game, but you got to check the box score to get the full name on these guys. Because they're, they're an emerging defense and they play very well together. And this, to me, is the kind of game I'll sign up for every time because the Colts kept authoring these seven and a half, eight, nine-minute punishing drives. There was drives. a 14-play, 35-yard drive. I don't think I've ever seen that That's covered. Kind of what, what better method, right what better recipe to take the Chiefs' offense out? Now, the, the injuries reduced Kansas City to salt tonight, but that this is the recipe. It, the 14-play, 35-yard drive that covered eight minutes and 34 seconds and ended with an Adam Venetieri 31-yard drive. Uh, field goal. Vinatieri is got things under control here. Hit a bunch of really short ones today. 32, 32, uh, 31 and 29. Um, that was the one where you saw that the Chiefs were were essentially gassed and they were getting beaten uh, at the line of scrimmage and getting pushed around. And when the Chiefs got back on the field and you kept on thinking, especially uh, when they do get off the field after that long drive at 16, 10, and you still got a half quarter to play, and you're thinking, oh, this is where the Chiefs go down the field and take a one-point lead. Well, they couldn't do it. The offense just could not get going. Uh, and Mahomes, it, you know, I, I hated the way this game played out. I, you know, good on the Colts for what they've did, done, but when you see want to see Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football, I'm looking for the laser show, and to see him got a couple up, plays. and he, that touchdown pass was vintage Mahomes, but... To see Patrick Mahomes limping around is it, it hurts my heart, and I, I know uh, Ryan Bartlett behind the glass is a cheese fan. You're not used to that because he's so he's been so brilliant. It was just that watching the Colts from a different perspective, and it wasn't an easy watch. I think they 
The Colts might have a star in Kari Willis. That he's starting for injuries, but he might be hard to take out of the lineup. Bobby Okariki's playing well, as Mark said, and Grover Stewart, who Chris <laughs> Collinsworth act like he never heard of him. This guy's been playing well ever since going back to training camp. Well, and oh. Justin Houston had his best game probably as a Colt, and Kamiko Ture returned from an injury and played well until he got hurt. And Danico Autry, who did miss a game or two in the middle, has been their best player on defense. They they have some players, but Marlon Max, the guy to me. He's playing behind that great offensive line, but I love the way he runs. He's very smart about the holes that he picks. Reminds me a little bit of a smaller Frank Gore who we learned from. I think I think he got some tips from the inconvenient truth. And on the Chiefs side, their running game could not get it going. Damian Williams averaged two and a half yards a carry, nine for 23, uh, and he was their leading rusher. There was just nothing going on for the for the Chiefs uh, in any phase of their offense. They just couldn't get it going. Travis Kelsey uh, was quiet, four catches on 10 targets. Byron Pringle couldn't get that first down, and I still have no idea. I need the next. That was a great tackle. Tell me how he could. It was like he almost ran backwards. I mean, Kansas City's line is not right, and we every week we watch quarterbacks that are not opt. They're not operating the way you want them to, or the way they're being paid because their offensive line is creating total hell in front of them. This happened for a lot of reasons tonight, but Patrick Mahomes was not able to just do this on his own. He's not getting the protection. Chiefs in fine shape at four and one. You got the Raiders behind you at three and two. The Chargers are struggling. But I do think the AFC, you know, race for a buy and and number one seed is going to be something to keep an eye on the whole year. Please. The Chiefs are facing the Patriots. The Chiefs are loaded. One one week isn't going to change that, but now they're one behind. I'm not worried about the Chiefs long term unless these injuries either continue to pile up or linger. Uh, because you saw they are human well, after they, all. There's talk that they'll get Tyreek Hill back next week, too. One little thing on the Colts. I don't love that they wound up with no timeouts with 11-plus minutes to go, but they coached the way out of that with the way they played down the stretch. That was like an absolute beat-down fever dream mid-fourth quarter on. To lose Andrew Luck and to have the injuries that they've had in the first five weeks of the season – it is remarkable. They're three and two entering the bye. They're even starting to warm the cold heart of Chris Wesseling. This entire oh. show is around yeah. is about trying to get teams to win over Wes at this point. <laughs> Wait, I I've shown nothing but appreciation no, for I, the I, Colts. I'm kidding. I know. I love their operation. team of West TL was <laughs> originally like the Colts and maybe once more. I get no, it. They won't, they Without won't Andrew Luck, it's it's not the same. All right. We, you know, we got to get on an yeah, airplane. Let's, please. Let's go. We oh, gotta my God. Run. We got to do things. So here's the schedule. The heroes, uh, we leave the studio. We handle various NFL.com tasks. We pack up our suitcases. We get on an airplane tomorrow, and we head to beautiful London, England for a week of fun and football, and we can't wait. We'll have our next show will be Tuesday. We're doing that show from Tottenham Stadium. Uh, excited to check that place out. Friday, we'll have a Thursday, our standard uh, uh, preview show. Friday, we'll have our live show from Curtain Club, sold out. Uh, and, you know, scalpers, stay out of it. You know, the, the, let's not have any active secondary market. We don't need it. We don't want it. I mean, unless we're making the money off of it. <laughs> right. Just come to me well, we quietly don't, and we can work. We don't it. want like a Mike Tice scenario where – he got suspended by the NFL for selling Super Bowl We do Bowl not tickets. want that. And, sa- and keep, uh, you know, keep an eye out on our Twitter. Maybe we'll get have something else going on so we can meet up with more fans in England uh, before Sunday's action where we'll be at Tottenham Stadium for the big uh, Panthers-Bucks tilt. Okay. We got, all, we got a pack. It's time to pack. Everybody got their passport? Yes. Got Everybody's got their passport. All right, let's go. <laughs> Nabil, awesome work. 
And we're going to get you up to speed on the ah drop. Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, everybody behind the glass. We are on to London. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.